This podcast is part of the Treksphere Network. To find more Star Trek-related content, visit Treksphere.com. Yeah. Well, is there a vol- is there volume on your headset? Oh, oh my God. There is, isn't there? There is. Okay, go again. You're a dumb shit. Yep, I'm a dumb shit. That's, yep. There it is. Hey, what's up? You sound so loud right now. <laughs> why, why are you yelling? I don't know why I can't hear you. Oh, I'll, I'll put the headphones on. That's what you did. That's you. Uh, yeah, I figured. Uh, that's great. Well, as you know, this is the measure of an episode where it is our continuing mission to discover what makes Star Trek proper Star Trek and not just the entire Lost series encapsulated in 42 minutes. I'm Jonathan. Oh, interesting. And I'm Paul. And the criteria by which we judge these episodes, number one, is there science fiction inherent to the plot? Number two, is that science fiction unique or novel in some way? And number three, is there a moral or ethical dilemma presented by the episode? I'm Paul. And I'm Jonathan. And this week we watched a Star Trek episode. Uh, This was from the Voyager series. And it was season five, (laughs) episode 11. Yep, episode 11, where the blurb says someone is trying to keep the doctor from remembering the incidents surrounding a crew member's death. And it was Ensign Redshirt. That's the problem is that's handled in the first 10 minutes of the of the episode. Where so we that's learn who not the someone really is, what, yeah. Yeah, we know exactly who the someone is. And was I right or was I right about this? No, oh, I, I feel like I thought that you were, uh, but now I don't remember what you said. Remind me? Uh, superficially, when we read the blurb, it looked like it could be – it had the potential to have such a great intrigue of something strange is going on with the doctor and someone is responsible for it. We don't know what it is, and it's a, a mystery that we have to unravel slowly over the course of 42 and a half minutes. And, and then I said, well, that's what we want. What we're going to get is some sort of personal tale about how somebody did something and it made the doctor sad and it's just going to be sad. Everybody's sad. And I was right. Yes, you were. But what I think is interesting about that is everybody was sad for different reasons. Yeah. I mean, anybody who watches Voyager is usually, that's usually (laughs) explained to anybody who watches Voyager. It's well, but they're sad for different reasons at different times. (laughs) Right. But uh, okay. So should we go through the plot of this? I don't know. Well, okay, first off, definitely not a proper Star Trek episode. Oh, I say definitely is. Oh, really? Yeah, why do you say we not? Have have, we have to have this fight about this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's clearly a moral or ethical dilemma, right? We can agree on that. Yes, okay. it definitely has that. Okay. In terms of, okay, so in terms of technology, in terms of science fiction, I really like his little scanner. I feel like his little scanner is novel. Oh, my God. Like, who are you? Like, I, I did not. <laughs> You didn't like a scanner? I like the no. scanner. I thought that was cool. I want someone to do that to me. But I'm like, he doesn't need a device to do that. It was just a stupid opportunity for him to like carry around this camera, which he's a hologram. He doesn't need to. You could implant that program into his eyeball. Yeah, I agree. But maybe he, maybe his eye, maybe his hollow whatever's just can't scan at that level. So he has to have a device that will scan you from the inside out. I thought it was cool. Okay, fine. I thought it was a good idea. I don't know why he needed that to monitor who was taking pictures of him. <laughs> because it, he sets it up. He wants to figure out who's messing with his program. Right. And he sets it up in the corner like it's a Polaroid on a timer. Right. 
Like a hidden camera, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's blinking, like 15 different things are blinking, <laughs> and it's like a, obviously a camera. Right. Who's not going to notice this when they walk in to start doing bad things? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that wasn't enough for me in terms of science fiction. No, I agree. I don't know. Yeah, that's just a yeah. Polaroid, yeah. Yeah, so, <clears throat> but what what was enough for you? That's the question here. They're changing his memory. They do that to people all the time. No, not not in this way. Like, we, yes, we have had an alien change people's memories, which I would say is a sci-fi element. I don't know. Is that novel, though? I mean, is that something the, that... Uh, and again, like, the way they were approaching it was was novel for me. Like, this this did take unexpected turns. Like, uh, the I think the broad strokes to it were kind of, you know, what you were expecting and what everybody was expecting. But um, how he went back into the loop you know, and Janeway was like, uh, yeah, this is why we did it in the first place. Um, and having seven of nine be there. Oh my God. I think my rabbit does it on purpose. Like he has been <laughs> so quiet this entire time. And now that I'm recording and we are actually talking, he's like, I can make noise too. <laughs> How'd you like if I came into your bedroom while you were sleeping and started doing a podcast? <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway, um, the the broad strokes of this were were very much kind of what I what I expected, but how they got to those things I I did not expect, and the conspiracy was better than I expected it to be. Well, okay, so so in case our listeners didn't watch the episode, we'll pause so you can. We'll we'll be yeah. back here. So we'll yeah, <laughs> all Actually, right. So you, you watch it now. You but but you don't have to pause it. We will wait. So don't don't right. pause the podcast. Just right. go watch it. We'll just we'll have silence for forty two yeah. minutes. We we know we know how long it was. So starting right. now. Now, uh, no. Okay. So what happens is the doctor he how does this happen? I don't remember. He has a thing. He's taking pictures of people. He notices that Kim has this weird surgery on his neck. There you go. And he's like, wait a minute, I didn't do that. Uh, you don't but remember that. But I did that. do that. Right. Yeah. But he actually did do that because he f- he finds out that there's some sort of conspiracy. People are deleting his memories. doesn't know why. He approaches everybody about it. They all say, well, I don't know. And then they said, well, why don't you go back uh, and take yourself offline and we're going to investigate this problem. And so they do that. He takes himself offline, but he, he sets up a camera to see who is uh, – Oh, no, 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 mess- no. no. There, there's another breadcrumb where he uh, he asked Seven to work with him. And she was like, yeah, sure. And then when he comes back online, he's, he says, you know, the hell are you talking about? I did not ask you to come in here. Oh, right, right. So they delete it again and he doesn't realize it. And then the same thing happens to him again. And uh, so he, he decides someone is messing with my program on the ship. And we realize that it's Janeway doing this. He confronts Janeway. She says, look, there was a problem. Your, your program went into a loop for some reason. He says, Why? And she says, can't tell you that because we're afraid it's going to happen again. And it was very destructive to the crew and yourself. And then they say, well, okay, well, let's, we're going to do it again because we need our doctor back. But we're going to let you see why. And then we're going to delete it again, which is weird. So, yeah. So the two elements there um, were, one, I thought this was going to be a little bit more like the Lieutenant Broccoli episode where uh, it was all in the doctor's mind. And or it was oh, an yeah. alien race kind of probing the doctor and and they were trying to get some information out of him or something like that because Janeway acted completely out of character when she just dismissed him out of her quarters. And I thought that that would be the moment where we saw that it was an alien, but then she like kind of sighed and shook her head or whatever where she like, it was very clearly Janeway not wanting to have to deal with this shit again. 
Um, <laughs> the, and the other scene was, why not have him record a message to himself, kind of in the same way that Ensign Kim did from the future. But none of those things happened. But they didn't do that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and so the idea is that he somehow, I guess he has grief that he had to choose between two patients. And there's some sort of program problem. The problem is, is that I would have been on board with this having some sort of novel science fiction element to it if they'd gotten into the programming aspect of it and not just his internal conflict about uh, uh, having – basically we find out that he had – there was this incident that nobody knew about until today. Right. <laughs> and, and, and Ensign Kim, they were all on an away mission. There was an attack. They both Ensign Kim and this lieutenant were severely damaged, and there's a point where the doctor has to make a choice: does he save Ensign Kim or does he save this other lieutenant person? Not a lieutenant; she's an ensign too. Oh, that's why there's only one ensign on the ship anymore. <laughs> they couldn't risk having two. <laughs> yeah, this is all a conspiracy. This is kind of the point, and this is where I think you know, like I, I don't understand your frustration because they even talked about this. It's it's the conflict between his programming and his personality subroutines. Both of them were completely identical. And as the objective doctor, you know, he, he just basically could have flipped a coin and made an arbitrary choice. But his personality subroutine had him choose Ensign Kim because he knew him better. Better. He knew him better. <laughs> That's the British pronunciation. Um, <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Uh, but he knew him better, and so he picked his friend, and that's where the conflict was, the the objective doctor versus the subjective personality. Was that really the the DNA of a science fiction show in terms of the way they presented this? I wanted there to be a little bit more exploration. It's not just don't report to us what the problem was, and then we will continue with the melodrama. Right, but you I know. mean we got the – we uh, kind of because we got the – we got to see the doctor having his meltdown in uh, the mess hall where he he was conf- – you know, the, the man was conflicting with the machine, and that's where the feedback loop came from. I, I, I just felt like at this point, at this point in the show where he does start to melt down and we get to see him go through this loop, it became melodrama. It became – just the same scene over and over again. And I understand why they wanted to kill or <laughs> not kill, but uh, reset the doctor. But it just, it, it didn't feel, it felt like I was watching kind of a soap opery thing where some guy was just having trouble, you know, like watching a house episode, a house MD episode where one of the patients, he had to just have the exact same problem as the doctor and beats themselves up about it down. And that's what the whole episode is about. And that's, that's what this whole episode is about. And because the intrigue goes away 10 minutes into the episode. I almost would have been fine with it if the intrigue took a little longer and it was just one person or something like that. And it, was, it wasn't sanctioned by the entire crew or, and by the captain. It was seven of nine or something like that. And she made the difficult decision to abandon the individuality. Although I, liked, I kind of liked the whole interplay between Janeway and Seven about when will you abandon me, you know? I, that, that oh, I thought that was the melodrama. I was like, Crimea River. Like, you're you're a human. <laughs> like, that's you have you have bionic parts. You know what? So does Picard. Like, we're not going to abandon him because, like, well, he's got a robot heart. Like, he can't feel anything. <laughs> well, that was true before the heart. <laughs> right. Just, just now, it's evident. Okay. Here's what I want. 
Here's what I want out of this episode. The doctor's decline into madness. I want him to start killing other people. <laughs> I want there to be a surgery where he, the, where he, the expression of this loop is not just him flying off the handle and just yelling at everybody, but he starts to make really rash decisions and really aggressive decisions on the operating table. You know, someone comes in with a rash, well, we're going to have to operate and take all the skin off. Like that, that could be, and, and he sort of has, somehow he gains control of the ship because of this loop. And he becomes like a monster. And the crew has to find a way to turn off his program or to fix his program so he'll stop killing people. <laughs> and that's what I want. I want there to be some sort of dark, darker consequence than he's just sad. Sure. I mean, that would definitely have to be a parallel timeline because there's no way they would keep him as the doctor after him <laughs> killing Can multiple we? people. Okay, so maybe we back off the killing thing. Maybe <laughs> we keep all of them. But, you know, he, he kind of maims somebody, like chops their arm off or something like that, <laughs> which you can repair now. You know, this is the future. You can, you can repair basically anything except for death. Well, maybe that's what he does. He just starts having extreme science experiments, you know, and repairing the people. Uh, like you just said, sawing their arm off and then stitching it back on. Uh, so. Yeah, he can't risk losing another person. We have to take the most extreme measure to make sure that you're safe. That's what's going on in his head. Right. And that's why he has to amputate when you have a splinter. Right. That's what I want. That's what I want out of this episode. Instead, we got – there wasn't even a B-plot. I mean I guess there was the seven of nine Janeway, but that's not really a B-plot. That no. was just a conversation. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think you know to make it not nearly so grotesque – <laughs> I know you're interested. I know you're curious. <laughs> Would be to to have it have it be a mystery investigation longer for like two thirds of the plot, where Seven and the Doctor are trying to figure out who this ensign is that's in these photos. Right. So the reason that Paris can't do the other person while the Doctor does the person that he chose is that it's too complicated of a of a what do you call it a procedure. Procedure mm -hmm. didn't look that complicated. <laughs> Right, but I mean, you know, it's sci-fi. It never does. Right. He has yeah, to have the proper, uh, what's it called, proper frequency on the laser, and he's right. got to cut in just the right spot, you know, and right. he's the only one. I guess he is, yeah, the, he is a. The level hand yeah, who can do it, yeah. He is a he is a computer, so he probably has extreme precision. Right. That Tom Paris would not have. Yeah. As a pilot. <laughs> exactly. But the, so there, so Voyager seems to do this. They did this in the last one we watched, I think, where there's just odd soundtrack choices to accompany scenes that they don't belong in. In this one, or in the previous one, it was weird trumpet fanfares and applause happening at a very tense moment. <laughs> and it, <laughs> yeah. Okay. In this one, when Seven confronts Janeway about the Doctor and about what she did and what she's going to do again. That of course Janeway tries to dismiss off. It's oh like, my god! I have never decision. seen Janeway so irritated by her crew than she was in <laughs> this you episode. Mean? You mean since the last episode we watched? I mean, just in this episode, it was never more blatant. Or in in all the episodes we've seen, it's never been more blatant than in this episode. Could, she could not be bothered At to talk all. about this very important issue. She really yes. does not give two shits <laughs> about anybody. All she wanted to do was read her book with no cover on it. Yeah. Well, oh, and that was the other thing too. Like, so she's reading a book, and then you know what? What happens? She's like, "This isn't immersive enough. I need to go to the holodeck." Or does she like when she can't use the holodeck? She reads the book, and then she picks up where she left off when she was reading in the holodeck, 
and then goes back to the book when she's done with her time on the holodeck. Like what, what's the, what's the caveat for her? Like, or, you know, what's the, what's the difference for her where she decides that she has to read her novel in the holosuite and she just can read a novel by turning a page. By the way, how pissed would you be if you got bumped so the captain could read a book (laughs) in the holodeck? Come on, man. That's my time. I know. I was going to go skydiving. (laughs) I guess I'll try and do that in my quarters. (laughs) Oh, man. Can you imagine that? Like a closet holodeck? (laughs) Well, wouldn't that be all that you need, theoretically? I don't want to have to be these big rooms. Well, yeah. Like, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but they have this new, like, kind of treadmill for VR. Have you seen this? Yeah, where they, it can go in any direction. Yeah, it's omnidirectional. Yeah. Uh, and so I feel like we're never going to have a holodeck the way it is on Star Trek because we're going to make it this personal experience, like just a closet that you go into yeah. and you can do anything in there. I think, I think that what will probably happen, and I think Elon Musk is actually working on this, is you'll just plug your brain in somehow. And you won't move. You'll just you'll interface directly with the computer as It'll opposed to yes, okay. as as opposed to a computer creating an environment that is realistic enough that you it, you believe it. It will just you just plug in to right a USB port in the back of your head. Yeah, it will trigger the brain sequences as if you were really there. Right. right. That'll be probably way easier to do than doing what they do in holodecks. Right. But anyway, Seven confronts Janeway about the Doctor, and they're having this very intense discussion about what is right. And what is convenient and what is individuality and and are you respecting that even though he's just a computer program, blah, blah, blah. And they have this lounge piano music going on in the background. <laughs> and the the idea is that this is this is what Janeway was listening to right. when she was reading her book. And it was it's it was so distracting. Right. And and so it, it was distracting to me just because it was like, what? who chose this? This yeah. is terrible. Yeah. Nobody would listen to this. And also it was distracting to the point of you're, you're missing the emotional impact of this scene because you have this crap music. Turn it off. Right. You know, like who cares? Like when she enters, have it cut, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like get rid of it because they, they felt like I can t- guarantee this with the conversation. It feels dry in there, but we don't want to have score because it will make it sound overly dramatic. And it's not really that type of scene where there's a revelation made right. necessarily. Right. It's just informational, but it's about the decision that Janeway is about to make mm-hmm. or and has already made. So right. they said like it feels dry. It feels empty. We need something. Well, Janeway would be listening to music while she was reading. Let's have this innocuous nothing music playing in the background just taking up space and ruining the show how about that yeah that sounds good put that in it was i hated it it was so it was such a it had it was such cynicism and 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 what's the word i always hate it when i do this where you don't like somebody you have condescension something you have something for somebody not conceit where you're disgust yeah it shows such disrespect for the audience. You think that because they're silence that we're just contempt. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. I just thought of it. It's contempt. <laughs> nice job. Good job. Yeah. Such contempt for your audience to think that we can't watch a scene without there being something buzzing around in the background. And I just uh, – there was nothing about that scene that I liked. Just the way Janeway could not care less about Seven having problems and Seven asking questions, you know, and she's like, the doctor's a replicator. Get out of here. 
And she says, well, I'm part replicator. Like, what are you going to do when my replicator parts start breaking down? Are you just going to throw me out into onto the side of the street and wait for someone to pick me up? Yes, that's the plan. <laughs> right? Well, I wasn't going to say anything, but. <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I felt like they needed a reason to have Janeway have a, a change of heart right. in terms of, like, we oh, have to yeah. do this again. Yeah. yeah. They needed that. She needed that reason because she wasn't going to come to it by herself. Right. Which but, I understand. Yeah, but they didn't need to have that. Like, they, because Seven wasn't on the ship at this time. Like, Seven knew nothing about it either. So she could have been working with the doctor to try to help him figure it out. And. Right. The rest of the crew could have just been shutting them down, saying, like, no, that didn't happen. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I mean, it's so weird. After a year and a half of never mentioning it, Ensign Kim, when he sees the surgery, you know, he's like, well, uh, no, I never had brain surgery. Like, how did he not go, yeah, remember? We had it. Like, you you gave it to me when I had that shuttle accident. And doctor's like, shuttle accident? I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, yeah, you remember? Like, we got attacked by those aliens, and then Ensign Jital and I both almost died, and you had to make your chuo. <laughs> or I like the idea. He just says, yeah, I remember when you killed Ensign, whatever, and I, you saved me. <laughs> You don't remember that? Thanks a lot, buddy. I'll see you at the mess hall. Really appreciate it. (laughs) Did you feel like when when the doctor first, we see him first lose it in the mess hall, did you feel like that felt like a Clark W. Griswold Christmas vacation breakdown (laughs) tirade? Like where he just, he absolutely lose it when he gets his Christmas bonus? Um, I, I mean, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, that's how I felt. That's, that's what came to me. Right. I mean, have you just... Maybe it's the season. <laughs> I was going to say, well, we're in February now, so like... That's true. Yeah. Maybe it was the season. Right. <laughs> it was just... Fixed. It's so recently passed that it's still fresh on your mind. Um, yeah. <laughs> I felt like that was a really good scene because, you know, he was he was like, ah, a choice. You know, and this this was where the, the conflict happened. And I, I I know that you know that that's what they were going for. But but I, I thought that it was a really good descent you know, he's like just an arbitrary choice, like two things right. that are totally equal. How do you make a choice? You know, and um, and he kind of spins from there. And what I liked was like how they showed that he was breaking was he circled back around to his point. Right. You know, like yeah. he's, he like he was starting over and sharing it again. Yeah, he he acted it really well. I always like I always like what he does. With yeah. these, and whenever they give him, he seems to really make it shine. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I don't know. I just felt it. I felt like I was missing the intrigue and now we were in the part where, okay, we have to fix this problem. And this problem isn't very interesting from a science fiction standpoint. It's interesting from a, I guess a character standpoint, well, but not and really from a because- philosophical standpoint too. Like, do you, do you fix the problem for this person because you can, or do you take care of it by yourself or do you help them handle it? Right. Well, they could do that. This was the one situation where somebody is having a problem that they fixed it by eliminating the problem. Right. Internally. Right. Right. Which I would say is a sci-fi thing. I guess so. But I mean, in terms of the expression of it, it, we didn't really get, they just deleted, they deleted files from the whatever, from a folder. And that was, that was what they did. And I, I guess we get the consequences of that. I don't know. It, it just felt very thin to me. Maybe it would have been more interesting had Janeway not been not martyred herself and stayed in the the holodeck for sixteen hours while he you know went through this. It should have been Seven who was helping him. It should have been Seven who said like, "Look, if you're not going to do it, I will sit in a room with him and let him go through this loop and see if he can repair himself." Right. If you're not going to do it, 
you know? Yeah. And I, I, maybe that would have been a little bit more cathartic for me. See, this, is, this I, is why I say it was lost. Sorry, because why? Because Janeway's really smart. And apparently she, she has to martyr herself for her crew in order for her crew to, to, to better themselves or to protect them. I felt like, yes, she's the captain, but she, this was not her job in this moment. No, especially as the captain. Like, the captain is, her job is to make sure that the ship is safe, not a single individual. Like, when Tuvok came in and said, you've been in here for 16 hours, like, I genuinely thought that she was going to leave. And the fact that she was like, no, I can make it a little bit longer. And Tuvok's like, all right, suit yourself, and walks out. Like, Right. There was no, I mean, obviously this wasn't the time and place for it, but he absolutely should have said, as captain, this is not your job. Like, you need to leave it to the other commanding officers. You know, like like you said, Seven, or even Paris. Like, somebody who has, or even Kim, somebody who has a connection to the doctor other than you're the doctor of the ship. Right. And clearly yeah. that's how she feels about him because she was willing to erase his brain because he was just a machine. <laughs> right. I don't feel like the I don't feel like Janeway came to any revelation about herself of what have I done? Right. She is basically was like, fine, you want him to do this, I'll do it. Right. Right. <laughs> but we're gonna take the biggest holodeck suite just so I can punish everybody. Yeah. Oh, man, it was my turn. Um, <laughs> it's always my turn. Okay. But the uh, the original ending to this episode was that the doctor was going to have, like, a major cathartic revelation. And he was, you know, he's basically going to monologue. And he was going to turn to Janeway. I mean, this pr- speaks to your point even more. And she would have been asleep. <laughs> and... He would have, and the doctor would have picked up what she was reading and then started to have a better appreciation for what he was going through and kind of have a breakthrough moment based on the the literature that she was reading. For me personally, the poem that he read, I felt like that that would have just twisted the knife even more. Like, because it says, here lies a new life, you know? And he's like, well, there wasn't one because Jatal is dead. Like, (laughs) yeah, you're right. Yeah, I I felt like the ending, I guess they were confronted with the problem of how do you end something like this? How do we make him feel better? Mm-hmm. And I, I guess one option would be to have this take place over several months of him just looping through something. Right. And that, that would have been interesting to me. Well, she said it had already been two weeks. Has it been? Had it been two weeks? That, oh, okay. Yeah, her That's supplemental good. was she, she started a round-the-clock observation um, two weeks ago, you know, of commanding officers being in there. And after two oh. weeks, she decided to spend two shifts with him and then staying longer. So, like, who knows how often she was the one in there? Who knows how long she was in there during the previous times? But, you know, after two weeks, she was in there for 16 hours. I totally missed that. Well, that's a little better, but it was just – they just reported to us in a, in a log. Why not show – something happening show there instead of it just being about someone's anal, like that could have been any person right if it was a real doctor a real human who was having to work through these things by himself or he was going to kill himself or something like that or herself whatever instead of it being that and a perfect placeholder for that why not have there be some sort of loop like they speed up the timing of the of the doctor's programming where he literally lives 10,000 years and goes through this. And finally, it starts to loop out of him. He starts to realize it after a million years in his own time. And like he comes <laughs> out all old. He's got like a beard. <laughs> 
But you know what I mean? Something that, that, that shows science fiction explicitly, well, that we're not forced to do it on the inside. Right. Well, and the other part of it, too, is kind of the data element, where because he is a program, but they've given him a personality subroutine, like it should have been almost finding, finding beauty in death, where in having to make that choice, in sacrificing one to save another, he made a personal choice, which shows that the personality subroutines have grown beyond what was even expected, where he is making choices as an individual and not as just subroutines making the the proper choices. Yeah, set up a scenario where they know that the doctor cannot choose this way, this this particular scenario, that his programming will, will not allow it because he's a program, and then say – and then present a, a, along the course of the episode – present him with that choice that he cannot make several times and then by the end of the episode have him make that choice and that's how he gets out of out of his loop right but they didn't do that but they didn't do that i will say though so going back to the importance of sound or lack thereof mm-hmm. in in a in an episode of anything mm-hmm. or movies whatever so i've noticed that when borg disengage from their regeneration pods whatever they're called there's this really cool kind of mechanical sound as though they're like being unplugged from something. Right. There's nothing that they're being unplugged from. They just kind of step off of a platform. Right. <laughs> you know, when they film it, they're just stepping off little stairs. Mm-hmm. And it's so it, – like it's a really cool sound and it makes – it really makes you believe that there's something that's being unplugged from them even though you never really see it. I mean it, I don't, they never really talk about what's going on right. mechanically. Mm-hmm. But there's a physical sound that happens. Yeah. So I don't know what's happening or what's going on, but I, I do appreciate that that sound is what makes me believe that they're recharging and not just them standing there with their eyes closed. Like that <laughs> right. sound is so important to that, to that like suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Well, and I, I did not like that she just turned to Janeway as if she was expecting her there and waiting for her to say something. Say her line. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Seven should have said something, you know, like – Captain, why are you interrupting my charge or something like that? Yeah, why her eyes are still closed. Like she's like, you're doing it again, Captain. (laughs) Or just without opening her eyes, like computer, re-engage charge. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So people always watching her. It's like people can pay money to watch seven recharge. Yeah. So anyway, with all that being said, did I did I change your mind? Are you I mean, I guess technically you're right. There was something going on with the computer. It just – it felt like you know you always make the comparison of the, could this happen outside of the realm of science fiction. If this was just a person and they lost their memory because of some traumatic event, is it any different from that? And I suppose the act of them giving him amnesia again would be difficult to do. I mean I guess you can do that. You can induce that chemically, can't you? Can't you give somebody amnesia with drugs and stuff? I, but I mean, not, I, know, I know I'm splitting hairs here, but that's kind of what it felt like to me. It didn't feel novel in that sense. Right. I mean you can, you can traumatically lose the memory of an event, but I don't know if like once that memory has been regained, you can like chemically or otherwise erase – the sh- you could erase the short-term memory of the long-term memory, but I don't think you can erase the long-term memory at that point. Right. Well, but just couldn't you see this being the exact plot line of some Jennifer Lopez movie from the 90s where she's living her life happily and then she notices a scar on the back of her head that she never saw before and she go- the whole movie is her realizing that whatever, A, B, and C? It's, it actually – that's kind of – 
I mean, she didn't know it in the movie, but the the Michelle Pfeiffer Harrison Ford movie, What Lies Beneath, there we go. Uh, mm-hmm. What The way that movie ended was uh, Michelle Pfeiffer found out that Harrison Ford was a killer and... Spoilers. <laughs> for a movie that's like 15 years old. <laughs> yeah. Longer than that. Um, and she, you know, and, and Harrison Ford, I think, winds up dying or something like that. Uh but she she now knows everything. What I wanted to see, uh, I thought it was going to be a movie kind of along the same lines of Fallen, where it had a, a dark twist ending. And she, either while being underwater or like trying to escape, she hits her head and actually loses the memory of these events. And so the audience knows that Harrison Ford was indeed the killer, but Michelle Pfeiffer doesn't. And he stays with her as a loving husband. And I thought that would have been... Like a, a great twist ending to the movie. I don't know if they ever filmed that and that was an alternate ending and the audience didn't like it or if that was never an option. <laughs> well, they everybody liked the idea that Harrison Ford was finally a bad guy. Right. That was that was sort of the kind of the big conceit of the movie. I haven't seen the movie in a long time. Yeah. Um, but I never answered. So the kind of what we're saying about how the ending was um, was so disappointing because they didn't really end it properly. Like it was just the doctor reading a book. And we we made the audience do a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's why I say this was like lost encapsulated because there were flashbacks. There were, there were, there was mystery. There was sci-fi. There was bad relationships. And, and then at the end, they just punched us in the balls and walked away. <laughs> really slowly. <laughs> they punched us in the balls really slowly. I was like humming along at 2.0 like when after Janeway falls asleep, 2.0 speed. Right. And that whole shot where he sees the book and walks over to the book and picks it up, on two speed, I thought it was slow. <laughs> nice. Anyway, I, I, I guess I can come around uh, with objections. Okay. You know, as long as they get noted in the, in the record. Right, yes. That I object to this being a science fiction episode or a proper Star Trek episode. Uh, I will come around. Un- under maybe. protest, you say yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. You have to see where I'm coming from a little bit. I do. Right? I do. Yeah. Um, I because just... it's very like light. It's very thin. Yeah. I mean, I, I I wouldn't argue that it's thin, but I do. I do see your point about how like it could be put placed into a, another show somewhere. But even in that show, if they were like, oh, we can just surgically remove that those memories, like that's still sci-fi. Like, that's not a thing that you can do. <laughs> it's not a thing you can do, but it's also not necessarily important to the plot that we know that it's done. That's one other thing. It has to be inherent to the plot and not just something that, that allows the plot to happen. Like, there's a, there's a difference to me. And the difference to me would be them. It would be about them. How, how do we extract this from his memory without damaging him? That's that, if that were the plot line, then then I would be on board, but it's not. It's just a reason for him to have this breakdown and to have this philosophical problem. And that's, that's where my problem lies with it is that it's, yes, you could argue that the technology itself of deleting memories and you have this being who exists only digitally. And so you can manipulate his experience very easily, but that's not what it's about necessarily. It right. kind of is with seven with her saying, you know, but that that's also more philosophical, not about the technological idea of this or the science fiction idea of it, right. but that you shouldn't just because you can, you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's where my problem lies. With it. It's not even really about what the episode is. <laughs> it's not what the episode is about. Right. But I, I mean, I, I totally see your point. And that is a really strong point. But the, 
the counterpoint to it that I would make is we couldn't have this episode without that plot element. Right. You know, I, I do see what you're saying. Like it's, it's not, it, it, the plot is not about them trying to figure out how to erase his memories. Like they're just saying they're going to, but we, we couldn't have the doctor having these meltdowns if they weren't able to erase his memories. So like this episode could not exist without that part of the plot. So you're telling me there's a world where this episode doesn't exist? <laughs> I, well, and up until yesterday, we lived in it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just can't. I can't. It's like, it just wasn't interesting to me. Was it real? Okay. So did you think this was a good episode? In the same way that I thought Lost was a good TV series. Yes. Like this was a good episode up until the end. Like I, you know, there were watching, watching Robert Picardo have his meltdown, watching them like, discuss what they were going to do about it those were those were all great moments but then just the fact that they wrapped it up by them saying we've been on watch for two weeks you know i think that you're right like there could have been even just a a a montage like a collage of of him having these same arguments over and over with different crew members what if it posed a danger to the crew that they set him on this loop at a sped up a sped up whatever timing so his program is running through this loop at 10 million times the, the regular speed mm-hmm. of time mm-hmm. and, and it becomes dangerous because like it's drawing all of our power. We can't even go to warp anymore. And Janeway's like, look, we have to do this. Otherwise we won't have a doctor. I, this is important to us. We, we would, we would destroy the ship if it meant saving Tuvok or destroy the ship if it meant saving Balana. So we have to do this for the doctor and they have to like go near a star and suck energy from a star to feed the computer so it can allow the doctor's program to take its course and it becomes like they they're in peril actually because of them trying to help the doctor that would have been more interesting to me you know as a science that's that's what a science fiction show would look like to me is that yes he's having these philosophical and character problems and he's going through them not that i'm saying that a show should be bereft of character but it seems like you need explicit expression of the science fiction. And that would have, I mean, I feel like that could be a good Voyager episode. That sounds like a Voyager episode See, where they would for, do that. Right. And for me to take it even farther, like I feel like the doctor would have been insisting on these things because he, he is a program. He is a machine. And like, that's, that's what he, his argument would be. And so, you know, he's like, absolutely delete these memories. And right. Janeway would say, you are as much a member of the crew as anyone else machine or not. And that's when he would realize, you know, that his, he's more than just the sum of his parts because of what he's been able to do with his program and his personality and, you know, kind of accept the fact that with his personality, he will be making choice. Like he, he may have other times where he has to make those choices. And I think like, you know, whatever the, whatever the sci-fi element is, you know, that you're talking about, like that, that can be anything, but he like that, that would have made, at least for me, that would have made it resolve better. Yeah. There was an, it'd be an ending to it. Yeah. Cause right now we're kind of left with this idea that this is an ongoing problem for him in the sense that like a demon <laughs> right. kind of thing. Right. Yeah. That he has to kind of, but he's like under control of it. Mm-hmm. He can, he can live with it as opposed to it being just extracted from him. Yeah. But they did neither of those things. Right. I mean, yeah. So I, I feel like it's kind of like the last episode that we watched, you know, or one of the more recent ones where, if this came on, I would sit through it, and I I like the episode enough to forgive the ending, but <laughs> I was going to say, but it wasn't a good episode. Um, <laughs> so, I, I mean, I guess that's the answer right there, yeah. So I I would say yes, So no. you didn't like it. Yeah. You didn't like it. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I'm kind of with you. The first 10 minutes, pretty good. Wanted to see more. Yeah, see, and like Lost, I just, like I was I was good with it for a while, like probably up until the last two seasons, five minutes. Um, really? Yeah. Like the whole, the whole show up until the last five minutes. Yeah, just how it was resolved was so disappointing that, you know, I just, all, that, that ultimately is why I say, no, it was not a good episode. Well, it was such a cliche with Lost. They were dead already. Like people were joking that that was the all along that that was going to be the ending. No, they would never do that. That's too cliche. And they did it. They totally did that. In the last season, they were that was like where they were all dead. Right, but that that I thought that was the whole I don't really remember, but I thought that was the whole idea of the show is that they were it, they were in limbo, that they were all dead. No. The whole show. No. Okay. Well, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do a podcast right. about this. Yeah. Um. Anyway. So yeah. So yes, no for both of us. I guess me too. So let's see what we're watching next. I want to talk about this for another fifteen twenty minutes. <laughs> Star Trek Enterprise season three episode nine North Star. Hmm. A celestial element. When a settlement of humans living in 19th century Western lifestyle is discovered on a Delphic expanse planet, Archer and crew set out to learn how they got there. Sounds very OG Star Trek, right? Yeah, yeah. Humans on another planet? That's humans on another planet living in the past. Oh, right, right. Yeah, the Western lifestyle. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, it could be good. Yeah. Only only one way to find out. Okay. Bye. Oh, Oh, right. man. I've been Jonathan. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I've been Paul. And this has been The Measure of an Episode. But uh, you you already knew that. (laughs) Oh, boy. You you can't do it. You you need the oh, boy. Yep. Yep.